your little mini cups. So uh, those little teeny weeny mini cups can go in the basket and the guys will uh, deal with those. Um, but I want to just uh, honor and thank you guys so much for coming out to share tonight with us and to give your Wednesday evening to be a part of Heart and Soul. Um, these are really special and significant nights and this, like to have so many people come out this time of year in the middle of the week to come and share a couple of hours with us on a, on a Wednesday night. Uh, it means a lot to us and it really does mean a lot to me uh, that you guys would come and be a part of it. And, and I pray, um, and our heart with all of this is to go a, a layer deeper than we go on a, on a Sunday. That's the whole heart of this is to, there's so much we want to do on a Sunday, but we just don't have the time. Uh, you guys know the, the tight ship we run. There's so many people. I mean, God has brought us lots of people. And so it's a problem he's very aware of. And so uh, it, it, there's people coming in and going, people coming and going, and we, our services are so tight that we would love to spend a bit more time just catering uh, to you and I as followers of Jesus to give us that bit more space and breathing room and time to do a few things and to just be together. And uh, Sundays don't allow, but that's why I love heart and soul, is it's just like we just get to come and be together as, as friends, as family, as the body of Christ, and be encouraged and inspired in our journey together. And uh, so I just want to again, just thank you so much for coming out and being a part of this. This is the last one of the year, and uh, so, uh, but we will be having a heart and soul very early in the new year. So don't worry about that, it's okay. Uh, these have been such a great success uh, in all of our campus locations. Uh, in fact, right now, every campus location has got heart and soul happening right now, like right now in any location. So, so let's, uh, as, as you're enjoying tonight, make sure you're praying just quietly for every other campus uh, and make sure they're, they're lifted up in prayer as well. And, and I know God's doing something great amongst all our campus churches uh, and everyone who calls Elam home. I wanna do one thing. Listen, this is kind of like, uh, we do this most heart and souls and, and it's kind of feels, I feel bad for sort of doing, sort of bad for doing it, but I feel not bad for doing it because we have this kind of motto, do for one what you wish you could do for all. And uh, you all are amazing, and many of you serve your hearts out and give your hearts out and are part of the, the, the nuts and bolts in the family that calls Elam home, and you do so much, and you serve so much, and you love so much, and I wish I could bless everybody. I wish I could get everyone individual on stage and honor you by name and just thank you and all that kind of stuff, but we can't do that. Uh, I would blow my budget for the year if I did that. Um, but also it would just take a long, long time. So I have this motto and we should all live by it, do for one what you wish you could do for all. You can't do it for everyone, but you can do it for someone. So we wanna, we wanna take a minute just to honor somebody. And uh, tonight I wanna, actually wanna honor Monya Joint. Monya, can you, can you come to the stage? Come on, Monya. So many of you, many of you won't know Monya. Uh, many of you probably won't see her because she spends most of her time hanging out with our children. So Monya is the mom of our children's pastor, Danielle Joint. And so this is the brains behind the operation, everybody. Uh, Monya is, uh, works in our school five days a week and pretty much every single Sunday, she's in Power Zone, helping run the program, loving our kids. I know my two boys in there, they love Monya so much. She spoils them absolutely rotten. But I, I just, you know, I just think, there are so many people who serve in so many areas, but you know, Monya really is giving her life to serve our young people, to make sure they know Jesus, they love him, they encounter him, and just does an incredible job. So Monya, we just wanna say thank you, and we love you, and it's a wee gift for you. Come on, let's send you off here, let's honor Monya. I know she would not like me doing that. I know she would not like me doing that, and that's why I did it. So, um, and I know that that is, that is the same story for so many, that you, you do this without any need for reward, need for recognition, need to be acknowledged or even encouraged or high five. Uh, and we just so thank you for doing what you do. Our, our community's better, our city's better, and our nation is better because you do what you do. And uh, we're gonna continue to go take ground for Jesus. Yeah. I wanna let you know, um, uh, uh, Bex isn't here tonight because she's with our kids. They got athletics on Wednesday nights. And my nine-year-old is, he's like determined to go to the Olympics and he's nine. So like he, he's out of control. Like I literally have to tell, he will literally say, Dad, can we train until I spew today? That's what he says. He's been saying that since he was eight. I'm like, calm down, all right? Just be a, be a kid, right? Just do, 
So that's where they are right now, because we would not get away with them not going and running on the track tonight. Uh, but I do want to let you know um, just something personal um, th- uh, that our family is, is, is stepping into uh, in the next little bit. So um, we, we've been on staff with Elam for 17 years. This is my 17th year on staff, and um, it's been a, been a wild journey. And we have, um, in those 17 years, around nearly 10 of those years have been spent leading churches. And so it's, a, it's, been, a, it's been a crazy journey from being in youth ministry and all the nuts that went with that, and then uh, going to Whangarei and leading Whangarei for four years, which all the craziness that went with that, and then being back here, we've been leading this campus now for nearly five years, and, uh, and time has just absolutely flown. But part of, part of our um, setup is that we're, now, we're eligible right now for um, what is like a form of long service leave. In church life, we kind of call it a sabbatical. And so uh, Bex and I are now due our sabbatical, and we're kind of uh, being encouraged to go and do that. And so uh, we're actually going to be leaving in a couple of weeks' time. So I know you're like, oh, don't leave me. No, I, I just made that up. You, none of you did that. I just <laughs> wanted to make myself feel better. Um, we, we, um, we're actually, so in a, in a couple of weeks' time, we, we're, we're going to be taking a sabbatical. And uh, this is a time to refresh, refocus, reconnect with God, upskill, train, do some um, development, and so we can come back uh, fresh into a, a new season uh, with what God has got for us. So um, we're not leaving, we're just going for a little bit and then we're coming back. So uh, we, we're going to be gone for a couple of months. So we, we'll be back in the new year. Um, and so um, what I, will wanna, I do want to say is this, we have a phenomenal team, we've got an incredible leadership team, they are more than capable of doing what they need to do here to make sure this thing keeps going crazy. And what I will ask you to do is please pray for us. Uh, this is a, like this, we've done a lot in ministry up to this point, and we, we, this, is the, this is the rest of our lives. We, have called, we are called to this 100%. So for us, it's like this is about reinvesting uh, in us and in our walk with God to go into the next season and take the church forward uh, into what God has for us. So Please pray for us uh, that, that this will be a, a great season of, of growth. Uh, we are, we're leaving the country. We're going to spend some time with family in the UK. So we're going to be kind of out of here, uh, and we won't, we just, we're going to disconnect from the world for a little while. Uh, but um, what I will also do is ask you to get behind the guys that are here. Really get behind them. Like, they're going to need your help. They're going to need your love. They're going to need your prayer and need your support. So do whatever you can do to help them, support them, encourage them, have their back, and keep this place as unified as humanly possible. Uh, and and uh, I know we're going to come back to a church that's absolutely thriving and growing and expanding. So just want to let you in on that. We're going to tell the church in a couple of weeks' time, but your heart and soul, man. You get to inside scoop on stuff. Um, that'd be awesome. So we've got... Uh, three more Sundays, and, and then we'll be, we'll be back in the new year. So it's going to be a great time. I want to preach a message um, tonight that um, literally is taking me um, the best part of about um, three weeks to pull together, and literally every hour of today uh, to, to kind of make sense of and pull together. And what I want to, I've called it uh, fire, rain, and someone to blame. Fire, rain, and someone to blame. Um, and really what it is, it's a teaching message, a bit of an expositional teaching message through um, chapter 18 and 19 of the book of First Kings. So if you have a Bible uh, or you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can open up your Bible to, uh, to First Kings chapter 18 and 19, all right? Your heart and soul, you should have your Bibles with you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for these people. Um, this is really a look at um, the a little glimpse, a little window into a, a period of time in the life of a guy called Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And I want to just take some time to journey through um, a few passages in First Kings 18 and 19, look at some stuff that's in there, and um, really tonight is is kind of one of those shotgun messages. I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff at you, and I'm believing that something is gonna stick, right? That's what I'm gonna do. Like, it's like David taking five stones to fight Goliath. Like, if one missed, I got four more. Like, if, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, I'll just gonna keep flinging rocks until you get some, right? So that's what tonight I, I wanna do. It's um, my prayer and my heart, and I know this to be true because I really felt God speaking to me as I was preparing that, that for every point, every little shotgun pellet that goes out, it's a word for somebody. There's someone in the midst of this room that is going through something that that point is gonna directly relate to, and it's gonna be like the windows of heaven open over you, and you'll be like, God is speaking to me right now in my situation. So uh, I'm, I'm believing it's gonna help you along the way. Is that okay? 
all right, I'm going to do it anyway, if you agree or not. Um, so the backstory to what we're reading right now um, about the prophet Elijah, it, it's, it's going through the book of 1 Kings. So as you read through Kings, there's this m- a moment where David, King David, dies and his son Solomon uh, takes over the throne. And then there's a succession of kings and lords along the way. And for many of them, the Bible describes them like this, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forsook God and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They kind of abandoned God and all kinds of craziness went down. They turned away from the Lord. They went and worshiped different gods. All kinds of stuff is going crazy. We pick up the story. The king at the time is a guy called Ahab. Uh, Not Captain Ahab, different one. It's Ahab. And um, some of the older people know what I'm talking about. The young people are like, I don't read books. Okay. Ahab is the king. He's got a wife called Jezebel. That's gonna be important later on in our story. Um, and right now in this point in time, Israel has turned away from God. They're worshiping a God called Baal, uh, and God little g, not big g God, little g God Baal. And uh, there is a drought and famine in the land. Things are not good. Uh, and Jezebel, this wife of the king, has decided, taken it upon herself to um, kill all the prophets of the Lord. So there's a few that have escaped that have hidden in caves, but for the majority of them, they were all slaughtered by this woman called Jezebel, uh, all the prophets of the Lord. So then uh, this guy Elijah gets the word from God to go show up, to just get in there. And so he shows up, and there's this great standoff that happens, and many of you will know the story, but if you don't, I'm gonna tell it. So, so there's this great standoff between um, Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And, and so what they, Elijah's like, hey, listen, the whole nation has turned away from God, and Elijah feels the stirring of God to turn the nation back to God, the living God, Yahweh, the God of their ancestors. And so they, he, he puts this challenge out to the prophets of Baal. He says, hey, you get a, you get a bull, I'll get a bull. We'll build altars, and then we'll call fire down. We'll call on our gods to bring fire down, and whoever's God shows up, we'll know they're the real God. Like, that's, that's like, that's pretty gutsy stuff right there. One dude, 450, like, you're putting yourself out there, Elijah. So he, he does that. And so the prophets of Baal, they're doing their thing, and they're calling down fire. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And so they do what they do. They cut themselves. The Bible actually says they're limping around. They cut themselves as with their thing. Listen, whenever you worship a God that is not the, the almighty God, it'll always lead to dysfunction. You know, doing silly, crazy stuff. So, so uh, he, they're doing that, and, then, and nothing happens. And so Elijah mocks them. He's like, so where is he? Is he busy? Is, is he... <laughs> Is like, where's your God? It even says, like, maybe he's relieving himself. Otherwise, maybe he's on in the bathroom. Maybe he's going to the toilet right now. Maybe that's why he didn't come. So, and then he gets his sacrifice. He builds his own altar according to the, the, the way it should have been done, puts the bull on there, and then he says, go get four jars, fill them with water, and then pour the water on here three times. So they do that, and then he calls, he, he prays and cries out to God, and God shows up. In this powerful way, fire comes, consumes the offering, consumes the altar, consumes the stones, the wood, even the dust, and all the water that's filled around the trench gets absorbed and taken up by the flames. Like, this is, like, this is, imagine that moment. Imagine if you were Elijah in that moment. You'd be like, I am the man. (laughs) And and what? (laughs) Who's next? And then he goes up on, he sends, a servant to go up on a hill and go, like, look for rain, look for rain. And he says, there's a cloud. I see the, a cloud, like a man's hand coming. And it's like, there's this moment where, where the nation turns back to God. And there's this moment where then provision begins to come, where drought and famine is no longer going to be uh, the state of the nation. First Kings 18, verse 38, 39, I'll read here. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. This is a whole nation that has turned to worship Baal that is now turning back to worship God. This is like a monumental win. This is a massive moment. I don't care how, like what cool stuff you did in ministry, it ain't topping this. This is unbelievable, right? So, so I, I wanna pull some thoughts uh, out of this to start, and then we're gonna keep journeying on. The first thought I have is this, my first point, and hopefully this hits somebody, the call is bigger than us. The call is bigger 
than us. The life that Jesus has for you, friend, is not one of mediocrity and insignificance. The life Jesus has for you is not contained just inside of you and your life and your existence. The life Jesus has for you is to go beyond your life and make a difference in the world around you. The call of God for this church is not one of mediocrity. It's not one of insignificance. This church does not exist to just exist as a church and be a thing, right? It's not mediocrity. God has placed us here because He has a call on us as a church to go beyond this place. I, I believe God's call on us is to defeat the strongholds of the devil, is to tear down the altars of Baal, is to go against the, the, the kingdom of this age and declare war on the, on the gates of hell and advancement in the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' name. Listen, we're not here as a church to hold on until Jesus comes back. Like, 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 oh, the world's going to crazy. Let's just hold on till Jesus comes back. No, no, no. He's called us here to advance the kingdom, storm the gates of hell, reconcile the world back to their heavenly Father. That's the call of God. Like Jesus, Jesus, the call of God on your life is Jesus never saved you to have a happy life. I pray you have a happy life. But this is like, this is like, this is a shock to some people. Like Jesus never said, give your life to me and you'll be happy. He said, follow me and you'll have trouble. <laughs> no one told me that when they called me down the altar. Lara, I was like, give your life to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Jesus never called you to give you a happy life, although I pray you have a happy life. He called you to live a life of power, meaning, and significance, not happiness. Happiness will follow you, but it's not about happiness. It's about a life that God has called you to, to change this world. And we have to, listen, church, we have to break out of this model of Christianity, which is what about me, Christianity? What about me? What about me? What about what I want? What about what I need? What about someone ministering to me? And what about a church that meets my needs and a church that I find community in? And what about me? What about me? Feed me. Look after me. Care for me. We've got to break out of that model of Christianity because it's not biblical. See, the greatest step you can take in your walk with Jesus and as a part of this church is to realize that you're not here to be served but to serve. And this is a monumental shift for some people, and it's a great step in maturity to realize that God didn't save you to be served, but to serve, to love and to give and be a blessing, and not just, what about me, what about me? No, 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 it's no longer about you. If you're saved, it's no longer about you. God will work in you. God will transform you. God will grow you. God will put strength in you, but it's never just for you, because the call is bigger than us. It's bigger than us. It's far bigger than us. If you're thinking there, man, like, well, how could God use someone like me? Like, you know you, you know your story. How could God use someone like me? Often we make that kind of statement or we have that kind of thinking because we think we are small. But I think the opposite's true. We think too big of ourselves and too small of God. If you're saying, how can God use me, then your God's too small. Because God can use anything. And if you look at yourself going, how can God use me because I'm so small? No, no, you actually think you're pretty big and God is pretty small. So you need to change your perspective that God is big and you are small. Amen, somebody. There we go. <laughs> Be encouraged. <laughs> Don't worry, we've only got 20 minutes left. Second thought is this. And this, it doesn't get any better with this point. I'm going to be honest with you. This point just takes it a whole nother level down. Sorry. Number two, opposition is coming. Hey, here we go. You came to heart and soul to be built up tonight. <laughs> Opposition is coming. First Kings 19, we're into, we're into chapter 19. Verse number one to verse number four. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he'd killed the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Listen, uh, so Elijah has this monumental moment, and then he immediately faces opposition from this woman named Jezebel. Now, now, like, she struck fear so deep into his heart. And here's the thing you gotta know about Jezebel. This is one of the first times we hear about Jezebel, but it's not the last. In fact, you read about Jezebel in the book of Revelation. And Jesus mentions Jezebel 
in the church of Thyatira, and he says, I hold this against you. You've, you've put up with Jezebel. And so you gotta understand that Jezebel's not just a woman, Jezebel's a spirit. There is a spirit of Jezebel. And so what happens with the spirit, the spirit of Jezebel is all about fear, control, manipulation, and power. And the spirit of Jezebel seeks to limit you in your call. It actually seeks to rob you of your call. It, it, the spirit of Jezebel will seek to diminish you and it will use fear and power and manipulation and control to do so. And that's exactly what Jezebel did. She used fear and control and power and manipulation to start to squash the call on Elijah's life. What Elijah had just done, the most miraculous phenomenal thing, and then all of a sudden, he doubts the call. Why? Because there's fear and manipulation and power and intimidation. It's funny how immediately after a massive win, there's a massive attack. And like, that's, that shouldn't be a surprise. The Bible says we fight in a fight that's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in an unseen realm. We are in a spiritual battle. And so when you take ground for Jesus, don't be surprised when you get hit in the face. Like, don't be, like, that's why when you got baptized, you got up out of the water and all hell broke loose. Or the day you decided to start reading your Bible every day, it was like every distraction humanly possible started showing up. Your phone rang when it never used to ring. All crazy stuff started coming up. Don't, don't be surprised by opposition. Many Christians never experience spiritual opposition because they are more concerned with their comfort than their calling. The devil ain't interested in you if you're comfortable. If you're walking out your calling, you're getting, God, getting the devil's attention. Listen, don't, don't take like opposition and spiritual attack over your life as some kind of negative thing. It's not fun, and it is a little bit negative, but it means you're doing something. Like if you're not on his radar, where are you? Uh, we we um, moved down from Whangarei to take uh, the leadership of this campus nearly five years ago. And uh, we, we came in and... Uh, we, oh, we went hard, man. Like we went for the first like 10, 12 weeks, I didn't have a day off. As we just went hard, we just threw ourselves into what, what God was calling us to do here. And, and uh, it was an, an amazing time, full on time, very exhausting time. And uh, it took a lot out of us, but we were really starting to take ground. We were starting to see loads of salvations, like loads of people coming to Christ. And we started to see the church start to grow and culture start to shift. It was just a really exciting time, but it was a very demanding time. We were taking ground. And, and there was this one time I'd, I'd had 10 weeks on I had no days off. I just preached four services that Sunday. I had bronchitis. I'd had bronchitis for a week, and I shouldn't have preached, but I just threw myself into it, and then I was like crazy sick, and then I thought, I'll just come in the office on Monday just to tidy up a few things, and I came in the office, and on my desk was a letter. A letter, and I'll tell you what, I've never read anything more discouraging in my life. Like, never in my life. And it's amazing um, when you step out for God, the things people can... Be, believe they can say to you and about you. And especially when you step into leadership, it's like everyone has an opinion. And this letter like attacked me, my family, my leadership, everything about what we were doing. And, and I'll be honest, in that moment, I was like, oh, well, I'm done. I ain't doing this no more. Like, we kill, I'm killing myself serving the pur purposes of God and trying to do this. And, and the reality is what it was, was it was a spiritual attack. It was somebody doing something, but at the heart of it, the underlying part of it was a spiritual attack. It was about intimidation, it was about fear, and it was about minimizing and squashing and limiting the call of God on my life. It was getting me to doubt the call. Like, I'm, I know I was called to do it, but I'm, in that moment I'm going, maybe I'm not the guy, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, maybe I should go cut grass. This what, <laughs> if anything happens, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I believe, as I was preparing this as a word for somebody, I wanna tell you that right now in your life, you might be facing opposition, spiritual attack. I wanna tell you that the, the presence of opposition does not mean the absence of God. The presence of opposition right now does not mean the absence of God. In fact, sometimes the presence of opposition means a greater presence of God in your life. Why did Jesus go to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, tested by the devil, face opposition from the devil? The, the Lord led him there. The Father led him there. The Spirit, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. God took him there. There, there is 
the wilderness and those opposition moments can be an incredible gift in your life if you allow the purpose of God to work in and through those things. Now, right now, you might be in the midst of, and like you feel like this is spiritual opposition right now. You're in the middle of it. You know if you are, because you're just like, everything's gone crazy, everything's gone haywire, nothing's working. You're trying to pray, it's like hitting a dead wall. Trying to read the word, it's like it's dead. The word ain't dead, by the way. It's often just a spiritual attack. Your thoughts are going all kinds of sideways that they never used to go. It may be you're under a bit of opposition. Here's four things that you can do to, to work your way out of that. Are you ready? First thing is pray. Pray, 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 pray. Actually, take a step back. Let's go before that. Maybe first repent. Maybe there's something not right in your life and you need to repent and turn a new way. Secondly, worship. Worship, worship, worship. Like worship your way through. Like put worship on everywhere. In your car, in your home, when you wake up, when you go to bed, everything. Have worship surround you in your life every single day. Worship your way, like learn to praise God. Learn to worship God in a new way, in a new level. Don't, don't let anything else in your ears but worship and the word. Just like, just sing it, declare it, put it on, don't let it stop. Fill your car, your home, wherever. Your headphones, when you go to sleep, put it on. Have worship everywhere. Pray, learn to pray and connect with God again at a whole new level. Get the word in you. Get the word in you. Because right now, the words coming to you are not life. And so the, the, sometimes the attack of the enemy will go into your thoughts. Get the word in you. Get the word in you and fast. Fasting is a discipline we don't kind of get into much. But, but fasting, what it does is it disconnects you from this world and it connects you with another. It's a disconnect from this world and it's a reconnect with another. Friends, I wanna encourage you, if you're facing the, the, the I'll, I'll say them again because I said them all wrong. Repent, worship, get in the word and fast. Repent, worship, get in the word and fast. Do those four things and you'll soon see yourself coming out of what you feel like is a spiritual opposition. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Don't let it be done. All right, number three, you ready? They're up on the screen too. I got them totally wrong and they're on the screen. Number three, are you guys still with me? Okay, number three, uh, I've called this one, I'm done. I'm done. First Kings 9, 19 verse 38, then he was afraid. He's afraid and he ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And he by, by himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I'm no better than my father's. Um, Elijah, he hears this word from Jezebel and he just freaks out. He's like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done, and he, and he runs off. And, and really, the heart of it, he's quitting. At the heart of this, what he's doing, he's quitting, he's like, I'm, I'm out of here. And I love this, because it does encourage me a lot that the, the prophet Elijah felt that way, because I feel like that way all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, 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 like, I think 17 years in ministry, there's not been one year that I haven't wanted to quit, and probably not even one month. Some years it's been one week. You know, like, it's like, it encourages me because like, if he wanted to quit through discouragement and opposition, like, I feel like I'm in good company, you know what I mean? Like, it encourages me a little to know that I'm not alone in this, in this kind of thing. But he, here's what's interesting. He runs to a place called Beersheba. And I wanna unpack this a little bit because Beersheba um, is a, quite a significant place. And what you gotta understand is everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Every number, every place, every word, everything is in there for a reason, especially when you go down to the original Hebrew, there's so much in there. But the word Beersheba means uh, wells of seven, or seven wells. Another uh, angle on it is well of the oath. So seven wells, or well of the oath. And when you look biblically speaking, the number seven is really significant. Seven is the number that represents completion or wholeness. When you look at Genesis one, Genesis one, we see the introduction of this whole idea of sevens. And if you go through um, uh, Hebrew scripture, the Hebrew Bible, the first five books of the Bible, you, you'll see this pattern of sevens play out everywhere, literally everywhere. 
uh, and, and Hebrew um, writing every letter has a number value. So they, 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 it's crazy. The architecture in Genesis 1 is phenomenal in terms of the numbers, the structure. It's just, it'll blow your mind. But anyway, uh, seven is the number of completion and wholeness. God created the world in six days. Seventh day he rested. Seven is complete. It's whole. The creation is done. It is good. And one to seven is the journey towards wholeness and completion. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's the journey towards wholeness and completion. And so Elijah goes to a place that is called the well of seven or seven wells. So it's, it's not surprising that he's going to a place that in a number of value is represented by wholeness and completion. That's, that's interesting to me. It's a journey for him to a place of wholeness and completion. He's on a journey towards that. Also, Beersheba, uh, its name, the seven wells or well of the oath, comes from the original creation of it, which was with uh, Abraham. Abraham dug a well there. And when Abraham dug a well there, he left. And then he came back later on, and someone else had taken possession of the well. And so there's this negotiation that happens where Abraham gets back the well. So he redeems back to himself what was his. It was lost from him, and he gets it back. You kind of get in the picture a little bit here. Then also in Bathsheba is the place where Jacob had a dream. And Jacob had a dream, and he saw heaven open. He saw a ladder, a stairway going up and down heaven. So Bathsheba is a place of new vision. It's a place of open heaven. It's a place of new vision. And, and so although Elijah thought he was running away in fear and intimidation, and he's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. The place he was running to was a place of complete wholeness where he would find restored back to him what was taken, and it's a place of new vision. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, see, see, Elijah had lost his vision, he'd lost his calling, he'd lost his confidence, he'd lost his courage, and he's going to a place called Bathsheba. It's a place of restoration back to him, that which is lost, and a place of new vision, so he can journey to a place of complete wholeness back to who God had called him to be. He thought he was running away. See, you might think you're running away and you're going a different direction, but God has got a master plan at work and he's leading you to a place of complete wholeness and restoration. And some of you here in this room today, I felt this is a word for somebody, you're here in this place and you've given up on the call, you've run away, maybe it's fear, maybe it's intimidation, maybe it's hurt, maybe pain, maybe something has happened in your journey that's caused you to wanna give up and throw in the towel. Maybe someone offended you, maybe someone didn't treat you well, maybe someone has done something to you, but it's caused you to go, I'm done with that, I'm running away. I'm here to tell you, welcome to Bathsheba. Yeah. This is your Bathsheba. This is the voice of God saying to you, there is new vision for you. There's restoration for you. What you thought was lost is no longer lost. God wants to restore it right there. You can't run away when the call of God is on your life. Number four, eat and rest. Eat and rest. The reality is Elijah's response is quite exaggerated. Like he just kicked butt against 400 prophets of Baal. Like he just dominated, right? He destroys 400 prophets of Baal. Like he's like, is there no one else? <laughs> one person. One word, and he's like, I want to die. Right? Like, so, dominate 400 prophets of Baal. One person, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I just better I die. Lord, just take me now. It's a pretty exaggerated response, if you ask me. It's a little over the top. But then he has a sleep. <laughs> and an angel gives him some food. And he wakes up feeling a lot better. Verse five, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came and a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Um, if you're anything like me, I know that my emotions get pretty out of whack when I'm hungry and tired. And if, when I'm hungry and tired, if someone brings me food, they look like an angel. <laughs> like, you are sent from heaven. Like, I want to say this. When it comes to following Jesus, don't devalue the practical stuff that you need to do to stay good. Eat and drink. Like, Let's just talk at a purely practical level. If you're gonna really live out the full life God has for you and fulfill the call he has for you, which by the way, again, is bigger than us, then you need to learn the disciplines of self-care. Look after your life, look after your body. Get good sleep. Like it's amazing what a good night's sleep will do to you. Like it's over, I'm so depressed. I go to sleep, wake up, oh, I guess good. <laughs> I'm like at night, I might get real fed up sometimes with our staff, none that are here. Um, and, I, and I like, none. And, and I'm like, I'm, a, I'm a sending an email. I'm sending an email. And Bex is like, babe, just go to sleep. I'm like, I'm sending the email. She's like, don't, just go to sleep. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, why would I ever send an email? Like I just, it's like, it's like the weirdest thing. I'm like, why would I wanna do that? I, I, like I see it all in a totally different light. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when, I, when I'm hungry, I'm like, I hate you. But when I'm full, I'm like, I love you. It's just like, it's a natural thing. Your, your emotions can get so exaggerated in those moments when you don't, just don't look after yourself, when you're a bit tired and hangry and all kinds of stuff, like it all goes out of, out of whack. The, you can't underestimate the value of looking after yourself. Actually eat good food, drink plenty of water and get good rest. It's, a, it's amazing what that will do if you build a lifestyle of it in your life, how far you can run for Jesus when you just look after your body. Listen, the best you is the healthiest you. So if you're not eating good, sleeping good, drinking lots of water, then, then I'll encourage you to do it. It does wonders for your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual state. But beyond that, let's go beyond that, you, in order to do what God's called you to do, you also need provision from heaven. That food that he ate was not made right here on like, there wasn't some cook around the corner. It was, it was provision from heaven. There's a hot cake on a stone by your head when you wake up in the wilderness. It didn't come from the bakery. It's like Mirabuka did not bake that for you. It is, that's not just as pies showing up. That is, that's legit cake from heaven. I wonder what heaven cake, uh, I tell you what, it'll definitely be gluten free. Dairy-free, calorie-free. And it will taste like the most amazing. I love coffee cake. It'd be definitely coffee cake because coffee is the aroma of heaven. If you, if you didn't know that, this is, it's not even in my notes. It's just the word of the Lord. I, I love what the angel says to him. He says to, he says to Elijah this. He says, the journey is too great for you. I'll say this, friend, the journey God has for you is too great for you if you try and do it in your own strength. That's why you need provision from heaven. That's why you need some, some, some bread and you need some water that's just like, where did the water come from? Is this water sitting in a jar? Where did the jar come from? I don't know. Where did the cake come from? It just showed up, right? It's a provision from heaven. You can't make the journey in your own strength. It's too great for you. What you need is provision from heaven. What you, if you're gonna make it on this journey, the thing you need is the bread of heaven. It's the Word of God. You gotta make provision in your life to go, I need to eat as much of the Word as I can. I challenge the last heart and soul to get an hour every day in the Word of God, and I'm so proud of you all for doing that. It's just been amazing. But you gotta get, make it a discipline in your life that I mean, I'm gonna get this bread in me because I can't run it. I can't do the journey unless I have the provision of heaven. I can't do the journey unless I have the water of the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, the journey's too great for you. You can't do it without Him. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we would love to do that at the end of the service. You'll, get, you'll walk out of here on cloud nine. You'll be pumped and you'll go, you'll be kicking demons out on the way out the door. It'll be... You, 
Build a prayer life in, in your walk with Jesus. Like build a prayer life that is deeper than just surface level need. Go beyond that. You, you gotta have a provision from heaven if you're gonna do the journey. Don't think you can do this in your own strength. If you do it in your own strength, you won't last. You won't make it. The journey is too great for you. Eat this and then go in the strength of it. It's a powerful word. The strength you need to do what God's called you to do is not found in you. It's found in what he gives you. It's found in the Holy Spirit. It's found in the word. It's found in prayer. It's found in him. Moving on. Number five the God of the mountain. The God of the mountain. You still with me? We're nearly done. I promise you, we've only got 12 points. <laughs> seven points, because the number's seven. Okay, because then it's complete and done. All right, number five, God, the God of the mountain. And I wanna, what I wanna do is a little disclaimer, a little shout out right now to Pastor John Cameron, who pastors Arise Church, um, just a phenomenal leader. He's got a message um, he did called The Faraway God, which um, has helped kind of frame my thinking on this, and it's just a point, and I only wanna do a little point, and I wanna say that because I actually wanna get him to come to our heart and soul next year and do that message, because I think it will change your life. But, so I'm just a little disclaimer, so when he comes, you don't go, Steve, I heard this message before, all right? So I'm just giving you a little thing, just when he comes and preaches it, be like, oh man, that's such a good word, never heard it. So, so Elijah is in Bathsheba, and an angel of the Lord is ministering to him there. It's an angel of the Lord. So God is sending an angel to minister to him. So in Bathsheba, under a tree, God is ministering to the need of Elijah. But then Elijah gets up and journeys 40 days to go meet God at a mountain. So he's being ministered to by God there, but then he gets up and he goes on a 40-day journey to go and meet with God on a mountain. What you see in this moment is something that Elijah grasped. I'm get grasping and beginning to grasp at another level in my own walk, and I think we all need to grasp. And they say God is near at hand, but also far away. Same God, not different gods. There's not a different God on the mountain. Same God, but the, the, but the bigness and the dimensions of God and who he is can be found both close at hand in a need ministry thing where God shows up and ministers to you in that moment, but you also discover a new level and dimension of who God is at the God who is far away at the mountain. And, and on one level, you'll get ministered to and helped in a moment and a need and in, you'll get looked after but at another level, you'll get something much bigger, much deeper. It's the God on the mountain, and, and, and it, there is a depth. There is, there's two different, it takes two different disciplines to get to know God in his entirety. It's both the near-at-hand God, but also the far-away God. See, Jesus knew it. He often withdrew to lonely places to go and seek God. He went up mountains to pray and to seek God. There was this God that was near-at-hand, like under the tree, ministering to need God, and then there's this God that he meets in a different way, in a different intent. And we live in such an such an. Uh, instant world where everything is instant. You get things instantly. Remember you used to have to wait for photos to get developed only to realize you were a terrible photographer? <laughs> now everything's instant and so we expect the same of God. We just treat God like he's an instant God, like God I need you, you show up now, you show up now, you show up now. And what Sundays are like is Sundays are under the broom tree. Sundays is the near at hand God ministering to you, ministering to me, ministering to our need. But there is another dimension to God that you only discover when you go out from under the tree and you go to the mountain. And, and, and one is God meeting you right where you are, right where you're at. But another one takes discipline and devotion and time and seeking and disconnect and process. And God is in all of that. And it takes that diligence of devotion and disconnect to meet the God who is the God on the mountain. And many of us are only familiar with the God under the broom tree who meets and ministers to us in our need all the time. 
because that's as deep as far as we go. And many of us never experience the level of intimacy and power and breakthrough and connect with God that God intends for us in our walk because we never leave the broom tree. We, we, never, we never go beyond the God that meets our instant need on a Sunday. And for somebody in this room, you've been struggling with the same thing for years and years and years. And Sunday is like God ministers to you in the moment and he deals with what's going on, but you've never fully had breakthrough. I wanna tell you, you need more than just the tree. You need to go from the tree and go find the God on the mountain. Go dig a layer deeper. Go spend some discipline time. Go and seek God in, in a whole different way. We need God, not just the near at hand God, we also need to know the far away God. The God that is bigger and we can know on a different level. And so many of us, all we know is the God that, oh, I need this God, I need this. this it's like you're running back, next thing, next thing, but you, you've never gone another layer. And that takes time and seeking devotion and discipline. I wanna encourage all of us here today to get to know the God on the mountain. To get to know him, let's get that power and that breakthrough and that depth of relationship with him. It's not two different gods, same God, but different levels of experience and different levels of connection and relationship that you and I can discover. Is that good? Number six, get a word. Get a word. Not get a life, get a word. So Elijah goes to the mountain, 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 13, and he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? When you go seek God, I wanna encourage everyone here, go, go get a word from God. Go seek God for a word. And you know, too many Christians are, are, are focused on the feelings of church and the feelings of God. Like God is not your boyfriend. It's like they're going, just make me feel good and like give me the tinglys and the whatever. Like he's bigger than that. And, and so many Christians are obsessed with the experiences and the miracles, and the chasing this, and the chasing that, they just wanna have another experience. The, the thing that'll hold you solid is not the experience, it's the word. It's the word, the thing that is our only true plumb line is the word. And, and I'm, I'm all for the experiences. Like I've had wonderful experiences with God. I've seen God move. We are Pentecostal, sometimes Pentecostal. We are full on for the Spirit of God. We believe in the gifts. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in prophecy. We believe in deliverance. We believe in it all, right? We were in and of it and we're in it. And I love it and I'm all for it. But don't chase God like an experience that kind of makes you feel good. And then when you don't feel it, it's somehow God's no longer there. See, that you can't trust your, your feelings uh, will, are deceptive. In fact, the Bible says the heart is wicked above all things. It was like, trust your heart. No, don't. It's not good. <laughs> I wouldn't trust that. I'd trust Jesus. Much more solid. Much less willing to deceive you. Like your heart is, is, not, is, is not good. God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And Eli Elijah gives him the rundown. God, it's so bad. Like they've all turned from you and I'm trying my best to bring them back and they killed everybody. And then like, it's just like, they are a big problem. It's a big problem and they're the problem. This is why I'm here. And, and Elijah's almost like telling God what's wrong with everyone else that brought him there. And then God's like, what are you doing here? No, 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 I, like, I, what are you doing here? Like, sure, all that stuff's going on around you, but what happened to you that brought you here? Because you were good a few days ago. You were fine a few days ago, but something happened on inside of you that brought you here, so why are you here? Why are you here, Elijah? This has got nothing to do, this is what we do often. We go before God with everyone else is the problem. God, you need to fix that person. God, fix my husband. God, do this. God, I know none of you pray that prayer. I don't either. It's um, not a prayer I've prayed before. God, they're the problem. God, do this. God, deal with that person. God, they're the problem. God, you need to sort this out. And, 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 and God is less interested in the people around you. He's actually really more interested in you. And, and often we come to God with all these problems and God, you need to fix this and sort this out. And God's like, that's cool, but what about you? Like, why are you here? 
Let me, let, me, let me peel the layer a little bit deeper and find out what brought you here, what's really going on in the inside of you. And so often, I don't know about you, but I find when I go to God with those kinds of prayers and God gets in and gives me a word, often I discover I'm the problem. And actually God wants to fix me in the process, not use me to fix everybody else all the time. And, and one of the greatest moments in my walk with Jesus and one of my greatest, I guess, revelations and and freeing, liberating, but also confronting moments in my own walk and my own leadership came uh, after a time where I was so frustrated with, with someone in my world. I was, so, I was so discouraged by them, and I was so upset at them, and I was like getting all like, so for like two weeks, you know when someone's like that, because like for two weeks, every prayer you pray is about that person. And you're like, God, you need to fix them and sort them out and give them a word, and like I'm just like prophesying into everything. And I'm just praying, praying, praying. I'm so disgruntled. And I, and I decided that I would go and just really seek God about it, kind of go to the God of the mountain, just like go seek God about it. And I'm praying, and after about 40 minutes, I'm praying, I'm just like, God, you need to sort this thing out. Oh, this person's like, they got a bad attitude and all this kind of stuff. And as clear as anything, like clear, the clearest I've ever heard the voice of God. It wasn't audible, but I felt it to the depth of who I was. God said a word to me, and it radically transformed me. Like my whole outlook on leadership, life, everything changed in that moment because I realized there was some stuff and attitude in me that was causing me to see the situation in a totally different way, a totally different light. And, and that one word absolutely transformed from that day the way I approached the whole thing, even, even the way I even approached leadership in, in its entirety. And that word fixed me in that moment. And I actually had to go and call that person and say, I need you to forgive me because I'm the one that's had this going on on the inside of me. You need a word from God. You need a word from God. When God gives you a word, it will transform everything. Maybe your prayer right now is God fix them. Maybe God's saying to you, why are you here? Why are you here? Maybe I need to get on the inside of you and get to work on that. Number seven, we're at the last one. You guys are doing so well. Thank you for putting up with me. Number seven, build the next level. Build the next level. Maybe band, if you guys can come and hang out with me, that'll be good. Maybe sound more spiritual. <laughs> the last point I have is a challenge for every person. Every Christian, this is a challenge for you. And I wanted to end on this challenge. Um, but it's particularly a challenge for every leader in the room. And there's many leaders in this room. Many of you leading prayer ministry, many of you leading uh, small groups, many of you leading uh, kids ministry, youth ministry, different uh, teams, leadership teams, women's things. There's many different leaders, band, team, all kinds of leaders and people in this room. This is a challenge for every single one of us, and that's to build another level of leadership. Part of God's call for Elijah was to go and create Elisha, was to go and disciple Elisha. So part of God's call, so God gives Elijah a word, he tells him what to do. Part of what he tells him to do is go and anoint Elijah as the next prophet after you. So part of the mandate of his call is to go and develop the next level of leadership to build generationally. If something dies after you leave it, you didn't lead. The true test of your leadership is not what happens when you're there, it's what happens when you leave. It's about legacy. And the call of every single leader, not just leader, every single Christian is to build the next level of leadership. Who's the next you? Who's, who's taking over you? Who's developing under you? Who have you got going under? And this, is the one, this is the one thing I love about Pastor Luke. And this is why like, we will always continue to be a church that champions, empowers, and releases the next generation. Always. And this is one thing I always valued about Pastor Luke is he's never been afraid to give young leaders and young people a go in the church. And I think we, we have a, a mandate to continue that. We have a mandate to continue to promote. And like I will never apologize for promoting, empowering, releasing young people into the call of God over their life. They are the future generation. They are the church of tomorrow. They are the ones that are gonna leave this place when we're all gone. They are the ones that are gonna take this further beyond anything we could ever do. And, and, and we have to be a church that is about releasing, empowering, growing, and sending out other people to do what we do. We have to be. And, and the question comes to your mind, where do the older generation fit? Does this church not have vision for us? Absolutely. Guess who you are? Elijah. 
You're Elijah. You're the most important ingredient. If you're over 50, I don't know why I said that. Like, <laughs> if you're over 36, now I'm in it now. If you're over 36, guess what your job is? Where do I fit? What's this church got? No, no, here's what we got for you, Elijah. You're Elijah. You've got stuff that you need to deposit. You've got stuff you need to invest. We need fathers and mothers in the faith. We need, uh, we need mentors in the faith. We need Elijahs in the faith that will take what God has done and say, I'm gonna form a group and I'm gonna empower a whole bunch of young people. I'm gonna get a group. I'm gonna develop a whole bunch of people. I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna invest. We, we need Elijahs that will champion the next generation, not worry about their position. We need to be a people that go, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm here only for my generation, but I've got to build legacy. I've got to build generationally. So whatever you're carrying, whatever God has done in you, you've got a mandate and a responsibility to replicate that in somebody else. That's discipleship. Replicate what God has done in you in somebody else. We cannot go into our future without releasing the next generation of Elishas. We can't. So your assignment is legacy. That's your assignment, it's a legacy. To take what God has done and move. I wanna challenge every person, everyone in this room, your heart and soul, so I'm allowed to. Who is your Elisha? Who's the next you? Who's your Elisha? Who are you, who are you anointing? Who are you grabbing? Who are you empowering? Who's the next, who's taken over your small group so you can lead another one? Who's, who's taken over your ministry area so you can grow it? Listen, our, the growth of our church will only be limited to our ability to grow and release leaders. If we can't grow and release leaders, we'll be stifled at the level we are because we will only grow to our capacity. And I actually believe that God will only release to us what our capacity can handle. So, so if we wanna see increase, we have to grow capacity so we can take the increase. So it's on every person in the church, not just me as a leader. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying, man. But it's on everybody to go, who am I raising and releasing? Because you're Elijah. You're Elijah. So where's Elisha? If you don't know where they are right now, get hunting. Go have a look. See who's carrying something. See, who, who's, see who's in the room. I believe God has called us to increase. God has called us to above and beyond. That's the kind of God He is. He's not into maintenance. He's into momentum. And so I wanna challenge and charge every person to go find an Elijah. Go find your Elijah. Who are they? Where are they? I don't know. Go find them. Just go tap someone's shoulder. Hey, you Elisha? I'm Steve. You could be Elisha. Wanna be my Elisha? Could get creepy. All right, before we get started, can we stand to our feet? Let's stand to our feet. Come on. I wanna pray for you guys. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray a bunch of prayers. Um, and I wanna pray specifically into some of the stuff I've spoken about. And then at the end of this, we're just gonna, because um, we have gone a little bit over time. I'm sorry, forgive me. Sorry, I'm leaving in a few weeks. So. Um, so at the end of that though, if you want prayer ministry, we've got a whole bunch of prayer people and they, they literally would love nothing more. And I say that with all honesty, they would love nothing more than to pray with you because that's their gift. And so for them, it's a joy to serve in that. So if you want prayer, they would love to stand with you and pray. But I wanna pray for, for you right here, right now. So can I ask everyone to close your eyes, just everyone in the room? Um, I wanna pray for you guys. And as I pray, if you feel stirred that this is your a prayer for you because that point maybe stirred you in your walk, then I want you to maybe in that moment, just lift your hands and receive that prayer just as an indication to me and to God. Say, you know what, God, I received that right to my life right now. God, I thank you for every person in this room, every leader, every follower of Jesus, every person that has come to invest in their walk with you. I pray that something stuck. I pray that some stone hit somebody. But I pray that right now in the name of Jesus for anyone here in this room that has limited their calling to just themselves, maybe even 
up until this point following Jesus had been largely just about them, I pray that they understand that the call is bigger than us, that it's beyond us. And if anyone in this room right now, Lord, is feeling like they are insignificant, not good enough, and how could God ever use me? I just declare the promise and the truth of God over them. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against you will prosper and that you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. He's got a plan for you, a purpose for you. There is a great call on your life. Receive it, step into it. Don't let fear or intimidation stand in your way. And I come against right now in the room, any fear, intimidation, spiritual opposition, anyone that is going through trial or hardship right now, I thank you that the presence of opposition does not mean the absence of God. Right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that this be Bathsheba, that they will be restored, that they would have new vision, that they would have new life, that what has been taken from them, that will be given back right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, O God, that this will be a place where people are refreshed, where people are built up. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that anyone who feels like they've lost their courage, their boldness, their fire for You, the call You had on them through whatever circumstance, I declare that broken in Jesus' Name. We stand against the Jezebel spirit in the name of Jesus and we declare no intimidation, no fear, no oppression, no challenge is gonna stop us from walking into the call of God. I declare clear restoration, completeness and wholeness to you in Jesus' Name. I pray for anyone in this room that needs rest. God, right now they're all out of whack and they ain't sleeping. I pray now in the Name of Jesus, rest upon this soul. God, I pray that we will be a people that discover the God who is at the mountain. Not just the near at hand God, the God under the tree, the God that will minister to my need, but the God who desires to meet with me and put a word in my spirit and put a call on my life and to charge me and move me and send me out. I pray that we would be a people that get to know a greater level, a greater dimension, a greater knowing of who You are in the Name of Jesus. God, I pray that You give us a word. Lord, we wouldn't be a people that just chase experience, but Lord, give us a word, give us a word, give us a word, make us people of prayer, people of the Word, and people full of Your Spirit, I ask in the Name of Jesus. And I pray upon every person. Can you, everyone lift your hands right now. I pray upon every single person an anointing to release leaders, an anointing to grow Elishas, an anointing to find them, an anointing to grow them, an anointing to release them. And God, I pray that we would be a church that is not just looking for our own sake and our own good, but a building generationally, building beyond us, building legacy in the Name of Jesus. Jesus, we give You all glory, we give You all honour, and we give You all praise in Your Name, Jesus. Come on, let's just sing together for a few moments.